0: blog talk radio sports with the stat man is on the air welcome to sports with the stat man on blogtalkradio.com i'm your host George opelis the stat man on a saturday morning the 11th of february 2017 it is 10 a.m in the east we are live on blog talk radio coming to you from our outside invitation home studios in northern new jersey We're going to be with you for the next 45 minutes so sit back and enjoy as a ticket through the world of sports a good saturday morning out there everybody today much like uh, a lot of different times of the year marks a transition we go from reviewing the football season to our baseball preview which we will start today and along the way of course fantasy hockey is on the docket so thanks for joining us middle of february pitchers and catchers reporting to camp in the next week We will start our 2017 fantasy baseball preview with a look at catchers, the catching position. But before we do that, what a game last Sunday, Super Bowl 51, where the local New England Patriots came away with their Bill Belichick, Tom Brady era. Congratulations to the Patriots as they uh, came up against insurmountable odds, insurmountable in terms of the first 50 Super Bowls, where no team has ever come back by more than 10 points. The Patriots did that. Two and a half times over. 25 point lead that the Falcons had early in the third quarter at 28 to three. They led 21 to three at the half. And all the Patriots did was storm back, lead by 19 fourth quarter points, a field goal followed by two touchdowns and two two point conversions to tie the game and to send the game to overtime, which is the first time that's ever happened in the Super Bowl. A lot of firsts. Tom Brady also setting a passing yards record with 466 obliterating the former record of for 15 and it was a uh, uh an amazing game with a lot of numbers <laughs> a lot of points on the board especially late didn't look like a uh, long uh a high scoring game early on uh because both teams were held scoreless in the first quarter atlanta with 21 points in the second but the patriots with 19 in the fourth uh getting it to overtime and then uh a uh a A James White two-yard touchdown run uh, got the win and the championship for the New England Patriots in overtime. A true walk-off as uh, uh, the Falcons are left to ponder what could have been as uh, uh, we head into the offseason. So what do we have this week? We have a lot of uh, 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 let's let's break down the numbers from football, our game picks, a couple of prop bets, and uh, then, of course, Uh, Moving on to hockey. Hockey week 17 heading into week 18 as the trading deadline is less than three weeks away. And we will have the weekly best for week 17. Look ahead to week 18 for injuries and hot pickups. Uh, A player that uh, if you follow local hockey, especially the New York Islanders, a player that uh, you are quite familiar with, the rest of the fantasy world is starting to pay attention to this player who's been on the Islanders for a long time. And we'll talk about that in our fantasy hockey segment. And finally, as I mentioned, fantasy baseball preview to begin. Uh, we're going to take a look at catchers. And the big question is, well, for some of you might be, well, where, who is going to catch on the north side of Chicago for the defending champion, Chicago Cubs? Will it be Wilson Contreras? Will it be Kyle Schwarber? Do you rank Kyle Schwarber as a catcher? Uh, it depends on your league. Some leagues have position Uh, determination solely on games in 2016. Well, Schwarber didn't play much in 2016. He was injured in early April, came back in the playoffs, which doesn't help. Um, They tried to put him in left field, and he was injured. Wilson Contreras was the young rookie last year. Schwarber was the young rookie two years ago. Contreras did a good job at catcher. They are in an enviable position, are the Cubs, with such a young team and so many um, possibilities there. Um, but we will uh, we will talk about that, as well as who we have atop our rankings, along with players who have upside and um, players who might be overvalued. We'll take a look at that. We will also post our Fantasy Primer, which is a companion to this uh, very show. We've done it for the last couple of weeks. We tried to uh, talk about things we didn't get a chance to talk about on the show, but also to kind of review the show and and have uh, some information that you can use for your lineups and your roster decisions and your preparation uh, for upcoming drafts and stuff like that. So we have uh, all of that coming as well. Glad you could be with us on a Saturday. Let's get started with a look at the fantasy numbers from Super Bowl 51. And even though uh, Tom Brady and Matt Ryan were locked in a battle, And both of them scored 20 or more points. They were two of the top three scorers. But the top scorer was neither Brady nor Ryan, even though Brady won the MVP. It was James White. James White with three touchdowns on the day, two touchdowns rushing, six rushes for 29 yards, 14 catches, though, for 110 yards and a touchdown. And that was um, uh, the difference. One of the running touchdowns, the running touchdown, I should say, or one of the two. Uh, was the difference, uh, and uh, that was the winner in overtime. And James White was uh, uh, was fantastic in his uh, um, in, in his game. However, obviously the MVP went to Brady because of the yardage. Brady second uh, in fantasy points among everybody. Forty three completions, another record in sixty two attempts, four hundred sixty six yards, two touchdowns, one interception. That interception was costly. Ran back for a touchdown. Brady, 15 yards rushing on one rush where no one was paying attention in the middle of the field, and he ended up uh, uh, taking the 15 yards. And, of course, the over-under for him in rushing yards was 2.5. So he blitzed through that in one carry, 27 points compared to White's 29. Matt Ryan had 20 points, 17 of 23. Very efficient, not a lot of attempts. Uh, Some attempts early was very good in the – uh, in terms of his passer rating, which was perfect uh, as, as late as the third quarter. Two touchdowns for him. He did lose a fumble, but he scored 20 points. So those were the top three, uh, James White, Tom Brady, and Matt Ryan. Now, if we look at – obviously, we looked at the quarterbacks, uh, but running backs behind White, Devontae Freeman had a good day. He scored the first touchdown of the game, remember, 11 rushes in all for 75 yards and a touchdown two catches for 46 yards. He had 15 points. Tevin Coleman with eight points. He had a six-yard touchdown reception. That was his highlight. LeGarrette Blunt though, held mainly off the board. 31 yards rushing, lost a fumble. James White became uh, the man for New England because of game flow. You had an early Atlanta big lead, and when New England came back, they couldn't just run Blunt up the middle. Uh, They had to throw the ball, and White is a better pass catcher out of the backfield. Deion Lewis had two points. Patrick Demarco, the fullback for Atlanta, two catches for 12 yards. He had one point, and that was the extent of wide res- or of, uh, running back uh, fantasy touches from a wide receiver point of view. Danny Amendola was the best at 13 fantasy points. He had eight catches for 78 yards and a touchdown. But then after that, it was um, it, it basically there were no other receivers who had no other wide receivers who had a touchdown. Uh, Julio Jones, four catches on four targets for 87 yards. You know, they, they turned the spigot off when they had a big lead and they were trying to, uh, uh, run the clock out, but they had a lot of three and outs and that allowed the Patriots to get right back into the game. Uh, also a key penalty took, uh, Atlanta out of field goal range in the fourth quarter. That would have made it a two possession game. It would have effectively ended the game. Uh, so they didn't go to Jones late. They went to him early, four catches for 87 yards. He had eight points. Uh, Julian Edelman, five catches, but on 13 targets for 87 yards. And one of those catches will live on as probably the best catch in Super Bowl history. With all due respect to David Tyree and the helmet catch, that is the only one you can put up against Edelman's catch, where he had three defenders around him. And he caught the ball, uh, seemingly about to drop it, and right before it hit the ground, caught it again with defenders' arms and legs in the way. Just an amazing catch by Edelman. And he had eight points, but uh, there was more than in-the-box score for him. Taylor Gabriel, Malcolm Mitchell each had seven points because they had 70 or more receiving yards. Chris Hogan, the uh, conference championship darling, had four catches on seven targets for 57 yards. Mohamed Sanu, two for 25 for the Rutgers standout. And uh, that was it among wide receivers. So essentially it was Danny Amendola catching a touchdown. Jones and Edelman had uh, solid yardage, so did Gabriel and Mitchell. But after that, it, uh, it fell off quite a bit. Tight end-wise, Austin Hooper. If you had Austin Hooper in your NFL.com playoff fantasy challenge, uh, good for you. But not a lot of people did. Three catches on six targets, but he had a touchdown among those three catches, 32 yards. Martellus Bennett was the, uh, was the volume pick, five catches uh, for 62 yards, but he did not find the end zone. Among kickers, Steven Goskowski was better than Matt Bryant. Goskowski two for two in field goals. 41 was his long. One extra point attempt, zero extra points. And that was uh, indicative of how the Patriots started the game. Uh, but it, And that was on their first touchdown. After Goskowski's field goal, however, things started to pick up, and he did not attempt another uh, extra point because of the two-point two conversions that the Pats needed. Of course, scoring a touchdown in overtime, there is no extra points. So Goskowski 0 for 1. The winning kicker was 0 for 1. For extra points in the entire game, and yet 62 points were scored. That's a very weird anomaly of, of, uh, of numbers there. But Goskowski still had nine points. Matt Bryant, four extra points. That's all he had a chance to do. He had four points. Defense and special teams. The Falcons returned uh, a Brady pass for a touchdown. They also recovered a fumble and an interception, and they got to Brady. Five sacks, and I believe he was hit 16 or 17 times. So the Falcons' defense – uh, got past the offense, and at the at the point of attack, on the line, the Falcons ruled the day. Uh, however, Tom Brady ruled the second half, and that was the difference. Uh, but the Falcons had 20 fantasy, even though they allowed 34 points to the Patriots. The Patriots' defense only had six fantasy points. Five of them were sacks of, uh, of Matt Ryan. One was a fumble recovery of a Ryan fumble. They allowed 28 points and uh, they had their six fantasy points for the week. So that is how the Super Bowl uh, broke down in terms of numbers. Overall playoff leaders, Matt Ryan edging out Aaron Rodgers thanks to his 20 points in the Super Bowl. Ryan, 95 points compared to Rodgers, 94. Three quarterbacks through for 1,000 yards or more. Tom Brady led everyone with 1,137, of course, 466 in the final game. Uh, Ryan just went over 1,000 yards at the end there, 1,014. Rodgers, 1,004. Uh, Rodgers and Ryan had nine touchdowns. Ryan did not have an interception, and Ryan, and Rodgers had two. The top running quarterback was also Aaron Rodgers. Among running backs, Le'Veon Bell was the best of the crop, and he uh, basically played uh, two and a quarter games because he didn't uh, he didn't play very long in the game in the championship conference championship game against the Patriots. Uh, but he still had enough for 357 yards and two touchdowns, 58 points for him. Devontae Freeman was second at 51 points. He also had two touchdowns, and he had more receiving yards than rushing yards did Freeman, 162 on the ground, 168 catching the ball, two touchdowns, rushing, one receiving at 51 points. Steven Coleman right behind him at 40 points, third among all running backs, but James White had 39, and out of those 39, 29 were in the Super Bowl. And White only had 29 rushing yards, but he had two touchdowns. He had 18 catches for 137 and the two scores. Fifth place was Thomas Rawls, uh, and he had 28 fantasy points for Seattle. Among wide receivers, the top wide receiver, Julio Jones, at 51 points. So Le'Veon Bell had more points than any wide receiver either. So from a flex perspective, Le'Veon Bell was as good as it got in these playoffs. But Jones had 51 points, one more than Antonio Brown, thanks to Jones's eight in the Super Bowl. Jones had 334 uh, receiving yards. There were four players with 300 or more receiving yards. Jones, Antonio Brown, who finished second in receiver wide receiver fantasy scoring with 50 points, tied with Randall Cobb, actually. Chris Hogan, who was fourth in scoring at 47 fantasy points among wide receivers. And Julian Edelman, 41 points. Uh, so Jones had 334 receiving yards, and that places second behind Edelman's 342. Hogan had 332, Brown 309, and those are your 300 yard receivers. Only 120 catch player, and that was Julian Edelman, with 21 catches. In terms of uh, touchdowns, Julio Jones and Randall Cobb had three apiece. I didn't give you the top rushers in terms of yardage, but Le'Veon Bell at 357, and then there was everyone else. Thomas Rawls second at 195, and in terms of multiple touchdowns, Devontae Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, and James White were the only ones with two rushing touchdowns, but among running backs, Kevin Coleman and James White each had a pair of touchdown receptions as well. And in terms of, uh, uh, let's give you some uh, uh, information about uh, the tight end position, Jared Cook was the best. And it wasn't close. He was double anyone else. Cook had 39 fantasy points, 18 catches for 229 and two touchdowns. Uh, The 229 yards was by far the most. Jesse James was second with 137. And the catches for Cook, 18. uh, Martellus Bennett and Jesse James were tied for second with 11 catches. Bennett, by the way, third among tight ends, 11 catches for 98 yards. And, of course, they didn't have Rob Gronkowski. So Bennett was it among tight ends. So it was Cook, Jesse James, second for Pittsburgh at 18 points, 11 catches for 137. Bennett was third. Jimmy Graham and Jason Witten tied um, for uh, – I'm, I'm sorry, I, I take that back. Uh, Cook, James, Austin Hooper, and C.J. Fedorovitz at 15 fantasy points. So Hooper and Fedorovitz were tied for third place at 13 points. And uh, in fifth place was Bennett. And Graham and Witten were tied for uh, sixth place at 12 point. So that is the tight end position. Really, not a lot going on there. Among kickers, Chris Boswell with his six field goals for Pittsburgh's win against Kansas City, that was a highlight. But Steven Goskowski tied him because he had nine points. Both of them had 36 fantasy points. Both of them were perfect in field goals. Both of them missed two extra points. Boswell, eight for eight in field goals, three for five in extra points. Goskowski, seven for seven in field goals, seven for nine. In extra points, 10 points, Boswell and Goskowski were 10 points ahead of Mason Crosby and Nick Novak, who tied for third at 26 fantasy points. Among defense and special teams, the Falcons were the best at 38 fantasy points. Patriots were second at 29 points. Now, both of them only played three games, not the full four, as none of the wildcard teams made the Super Bowl. Uh, The Packers were third in overall fantasy uh, defense and special teams points at 16 points. Texans fourth at 15 points and Steelers fifth at 14 points. Everyone else in single, single digits, but the Falcons and the Patriots far and away, the best defenses, even though they didn't play more games, 10 sacks for the Falcons, that helps. The Texans had the most interceptions with five fumble recoveries. The Steelers had three of them, so you had a little bit of, of everything. And in terms of returns for a touchdown, the Pats and the Falcons were the only ones with uh, a defense or special team score in the entire playoff season. Uh, so that is how things uh, look there. In terms of our Cobb Fantasy Playoff Challenge, or Playoff Fantasy Challenge, I should say, uh, let's take a look at how we did. We did not do extremely well. Obviously, 568 points over the four weeks. We had 81 in the first week, 126 in the divisional round, 183 in the conference championship game. Heading into the Super Bowl, where we brought over uh, five, or, I'm sorry, four players uh, who had extra bonuses because we had picked them in previous weeks. Tom Brady had a triple bonus, and he had 27 points, so that's 81 out of our 178. Garrett Blunt was a double bonus, but he only uh, had two points. He only had one point, basically, and and that was doubled, uh, as bad as that was. Uh, Julio Jones, a triple, but he only had eight points. Danny Amendola was the only one who was better, uh, but still, Jones uh, had triple the points, so 24. That's not bad. And the Patriots had a triple bonus, 36 points. Now, they finished second to the Falcons, but um, when you have triple points of a, of, of a defense or special teams. And the other defense in the Super Bowl has to be three times as good. And the Falcons were not, obviously. They had 14 points according to NFL.com. The Pats had 12. So staying with the Pats made sense. And so they were my second leading scorer. So Brady had 81. The Pats' D had 36. And Julio Jones had 24. Everybody else, uh, Devontae Freeman, on a single game, had 17 points. He was second to James White among all running backs. Uh, but um blunt was a dud matt bryant was uh not the best kicker and i didn't have multiple uh you know two times two x or three x points on him uh julian edelman i did have him in the lineup eight points for him and martellus bennett six points but uh a better choice would have been amandola for wide receiver and austin hooper for tight end so the top lineup uh was uh brady White and Freeman at the uh, running back position, Amendola and Edelman among wide receivers. Hooper is the tight end. Goskowski is the kicker, and the Falcons as the defense. So, uh, not so great. But uh, I did place inside the top 200,000. I don't know in terms of a percentile what that is. Um, 128,106 for the Super Bowl round in terms of the ranking for 178 points. But just look at the leaderboard. I had 568 points. The top players was actually it was actually a tie 1001 points uh so quite a bit more than what i had almost double and the most uh points for the super bowl uh week was 468 points three players uh ended up getting that according to nfl.com so uh that is a look at uh, that and finally prop bets um in terms of the over under of um uh, of what the uh, of what uh, national anthem was going to be uh, it was supposed to be two minutes and fifteen seconds, I think, somewhere around there. Brian uh, Luke Bryan, the uh, national anthem singer, was at 2:04, so that was a positive there. I picked uh, Tom Brady for the uh, for the MVP. It was correct there, but I was wrong on first touchdown scores for each team. I thought Tom Brady was going to sneak one in. It wasn't. It was James White, and I thought Julio Jones would score one for the Falcons. Close. It was Devonte Freeman, another skill position player, a top guy, but. Uh, Freeman was was the man. Uh, I was correct on the over under. I picked 30, uh, 37-31. That was what I picked. I picked a six point victory for the Patriots. So I won straight up and with the spread. So for the playoffs, I was eight and three straight up and eight and three with the spread. I picked the over, uh, thinking there would be sixty eight points scored. It was sixty two, pretty close. Uh, but the over was uh, the over under number was fifty eight, so I was correct there. And uh, also. Color of Gatorade poured on the winning coach. I thought of the orange as a retro. No Gatorade was uh, tossed over the head of Phil Belichick. I should have known, and I was incorrect there. Uh, so that is a look at the prop bets. Okay, now let's move on to hockey. Uh, week 18 coming up. And first, let's take a look back at week 17 Rangers everywhere. JT Miller, Michael Grabner uh, were the top, or were two of the top three players, all tied at the top uh, among forwards anyway. Miller, Grabner, and Brett Connolly of the Capitals, all of them had 24 fantasy points tied for first. We give the edge to uh, Michael Grabner because he had four goals, a single assist, a plus six in three games. JT Miller was 2-4 and 6 and a plus six in three games. And Brett Connolly, 3-3 three, three, and 6 and a plus six in four games as Washington has been unstoppable, especially at home. And those are your top three forwards. Top local, Grabner and Miller tied for first. Jason Pominville. In fourth place for the Minnesota Wild, he had seven points, two, five, and seven in four games, a plus-four, two penalty minutes, and he had 22.5 points. Nicholas Backstrom and Patrice Bergeron were tied for fifth place. We give the edge to Bergeron because he did more in fewer games, two goals, five assists in two games, a plus-two. Nicholas Backstrom in four games was two, four, and six, plus four. did that four penalty minutes. Both of them were the power play goal. But Bergeron gets fifth place with 22 points. Backstrom, an honorable mention, at 22 points. Among goals scored for the week, in those goal pools that you may have, Michael Grabner, William Nylander of the Leafs, and David Pasternak of the uh, Bruins all had four goals to lead the way. Most assists, Jace Bergeron and Jason Pominville with five. Most points, also Bergeron and Pominville with seven. For Miller, Grabner, and Connolly, those are the uh, the top guys there. And in terms of shots on goal, if you count that in your fantasy league, Tyler Sagan led all forwards with 23. Evander Kane, second at 19, and Zach Parisi of the Wild. At 17. Among the shedsmen, Duncan Keith was the top scorer. He had a goal and four assists, a plus four in three games. He had 31 fantasy points. Nicholas Charmelson, also of the Blackhawks, two assists, a plus seven, two penalty minutes in three games, 22 points for him. John Carlson of the Capitals, a goal and two assists, a plus four, two penalty minutes. He had 21 points. Carl Alsner, two assists, and a plus six, 20 points for him. And in fifth place, Alex Goligoski of the Arizona Coyotes. 18 and a half fantasy points, he had a goal and two assists in only two games, a plus two, a shorthanded goal. That was that goal that Goligosky had. He had 18 and a half fantasy points for the season. Goligosky, that was only his second goal of the year, and he is a minus eight for the Coyotes, which is actually relatively very good. Top local uh, was Ryan McDonough. The Rangers who finished uh, in seventh place. At 17.5 fantasy points, he had two assists and was a plus five with two penalty minutes in three games. Among goaltenders, Jake Allen was the best, and he was really fighting it for a while. They gave him a few days off. The coach got fired, and it looks like he might be back on the ball. In three games, he was 2-1 and one with a shutout, a 1.34 goals against, and a save percentage of 857, 88 saves and 92 save attempts. He had 23.6 points, .4 points, two saves better. Then Henrik Lundqvist, who had a perfect week at 3-0, a 2.33 goals against. He allowed seven goals in three games and a 9.38 save percentage. Faced a lot of of shots, 106 uh, saves out of 113 shots. He was at 23.2 points. Uh, He gets the slight edge over Calvin Pickard. Pickard had a loss, but he did have a shutout and tied with Lundqvist for second place, but we give him the third star at 23.2 points. Pickard was 2-1 for the bad avalanche team. 1.69 goals against, 9.38 save percentage, and he's a free agent. He is a hot pickup for sure uh, just to play out the string, and he does face a lot of shots. So if you have saves as a statistic uh, in your fantasy league or in your rotisserie or hockey pool, uh, Pickard would be an interesting pick. Uh, Fourth place, Devin Dubnik at 21.8 points. Robin Leonard of the Buffalo Sabres at 21.6. Very clustered at the top. Uh, you had a total of six players within 2.2 points of each other. Braden Holpey was sixth at 21.4. Very, very close there. And in terms of enforcers, players who fill up the penalty box as well as the score sheet, Evander Kane is our enforcer of the week. Two goals, a minus two, but 20 penalty minutes on 19 shots. He had 19 enforcer points. Second place uh, was Brandon Dubinsky, goal and two assists for Columbus, plus two, 10 penalty minutes. Not a lot of... Uh, big time penalty minutes obviously but uh, TJ oshi had a good week three goals and an assist but he only had four penalty minutes and to really qualify you need five penalty minutes or more that's what I'd like to kind of uh, have as a minimum for an enforcer of the week and then you have a player like Ryan Reeves who has 26 penalty minutes well that helps you to some extent but he didn't score a goal or have an assist so you need kind of multiple points and five or more penalty minutes that's kind of the the um, uh, the lowest that you would consider for an enforcer of the week. So Kane uh, followed by Dubinsky and in third place, let's see, do we have a third place team? Yeah. How about Jacob Truba? Actually Jacob Truba is in second place uh, and Dubinsky at third, but Truba two assists and a plus two, 17 penalty minutes. Uh, So he also had 19 enforcer points, but we give Kane the edge um, and Dubinsky gets third place. So that is, that is a look at the enforcers of the week. Uh, We still have injuries, hot pickups, and we're going to take a look at the schedule and also fantasy focus for goaltenders. We're going to do that. And then, of course, after the bottom of the hour, uh, we're going to take a look at the catching position as we start our 2017 Statman fantasy-based preview. Anything we don't get to, uh, you'll find on the Fantasy Primer. It'll be posted by Monday morning, and you can get there by going to statmansportsonline.com and uh, just search for Fantasy Primer. It is usually on the front page. Uh, and you can get there that way. Uh, also, you can listen to the entire 45-minute podcast, the 30-minute live feed you're listening to now. And you can listen only uh, from our uh, Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash the-statman. That's T-H-E dash statman. You can listen to the entire 45-minute show. Uh, and you can do that either through the Blog Talk Radio page or from iTunes. You can subscribe there as well. So it's the new episodes are downloaded automatically to your Apple device or your uh, computer, as it may be. Also, we're on Stitcher, the smart radio app. Uh, you can go to Stitcher.com to find out more about it. You can download the free app from the Apple App Store or from Google Play. And if you have Apple CarPlay in your automobile, you can listen to Sports with the Statman through your stereo speakers uh, in the car. Uh, so a lot of ways to find out about the show, listen to the show, the website, statmansportsonline.com. And to interact with the show, if you have a fantasy question, a sports opinion, you want to get off your chest, start the conversation or join the conversation in a couple of different places. You can tweet me at GSTATMAN. That's at G-S-T-A-T-M-A-N. Or you can join us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash com slash sportswiththestatman. Like us on Facebook. Come back early, come back early and often. We, we uh, upload all of our audio there you can uh, start or join the conversation there. would love to have you as well. We have the baseball season coming up in a couple of months and our uh, eighth anniversary of our show. This is show number 720. And uh, we are here once a week for you. Our This Week in Fantasy Sports segment. Of course, our uh, website, Statman Sports Online, that will have the countdown segment, which we used to have the Pro Talk segment before that. But it is going to be done by blog. And we are still trying to work out getting a this week in statman. I'm sorry, this week in sports simulations uh, uh, for you on Twitch. We're going to get those uh, those uh, simulations, sports simulations up and running very soon. We have a we have a laundry list of uh, things we want to try. So three pronged attack: our countdown blog, our this week in fantasy sports podcast that you're listening to, and our this week in sports simulations coming on uh, Twitch very soon. Okay, we still have plenty of uh, fantasy hockey and some fantasy baseball to get to, so why don't we get there? By the way, the next episode, just so you know. Next episode, next Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Same time, same channel, blogtalkradio.com. Let's take a look at hockey hockey injuries. Let's take take a look at some of the injuries that that we've been following. If Jenny Malkin has missed several games in a row, I believe it's at 8 now. But that is about to end. He is looking to return. He has practiced, and he will most likely play in Arizona. Of course, for the year, 22 goals, 32 assists. He's a plus 12. You know how good he is. Uh, And he has not played since January the 24th, uh, so he has missed a total of um, almost three weeks. Uh, But he will be back for the tail end of their road trip in Arizona. That is a big uh, positive for, uh, for fantasy owners of Jenny Malkin. Uh, also, Brennan Gallagher. Let's get an update on him coming back from a hand injury. He looks to be ahead of schedule. He supposed to miss eight weeks, but he has only been out since January fourth, so he's been out really for about five, five and a half weeks. Um, but he should be nearing a return. Um, not sure when that would be, but you look at the uh, up the updated schedule, and they really don't have to travel far. So there's the, the next game, uh, the next. Uh, trip of two or more games is at the end of the month. So Gallagher could really return any time. It's not like he's not traveling with the team and they're on a road trip or anything like that. So he may come back in the next week or two. Uh, also Travis connecting of the uh, flyers, the rookie, uh, he was put on IR with a lower body injury thought to be out four to six weeks. And um, uh, his last game, the most recent game was February 6th. So looking like early March, early to mid March, For his return, Jason Spezza with an undisclosed injury, Uh, he was put on IR uh, and he has been out since February 2nd. He is eligible to return, but he was expected to be out quote more than days, Uh, so not sure how long he would be out. Not sure even what the injury is, so that is a little uh, wishy-washy there. But eight goals and 23 assists, a minus 12 for Spezza at the age of 33, not having a very good season, uh, but still on IR. Eric Johnson, with his leg injury, um, he uh, has been out for a couple of months, really uh, broken fibula. That was the idea, six to eight weeks. Well, it's been, at this point, uh, it's been about 11 weeks and really no uh, idea for, for a timeline uh, for his return. So that is, uh, and especially with the bad season that Colorado has, I'm sure they're in really no rush to bring him back. And that is that could potentially be... Uh, a season ender if uh, he doesn't come back relatively soon. Jimmy Howard with a knee injury. Uh, He was recalled from his conditioning assignment. Uh, So he aggravated uh, scar tissue in his knee uh, in Grand Rapids uh, last night. So that is not a good sign as um, um, he looks like he is uh, back from his conditioning assignment, but not because he's going to be activated, but because he re-injured or aggravated, I should say aggravated his knee injury. He's not played since December 20th. Peter Mrazek is in goal for them on a regular basis, and they are in danger of missing the playoffs for the first time in a quarter century. And while we're talking about the Red Wings, our deepest condolences to the Red Wings family as uh, Mike Illich, the owner of the team, of course, uh, the, uh, w- the owner of the Tigers as well, and has tried to spearhead a revival in downtown Detroit. Uh, the, new, the new arena opening up next year. Uh, that will be Little Caesars Arena, of course, Little Caesars Pizza, uh, also owned by Mike Illich, and that is how he kind of came to prominence. Uh, He is dead at the age of 87, a tough year for the Red Wings, losing Gordie Howe and uh, owner Mike Illich, who is a well-loved owner in Detroit. Uh, Just a a sad, uh, sad day for the Detroit Red Wings and their family. We send our condolences. Uh, Also, uh, looking at – Uh, Looking down the list of injuries, Tyler Myers looks like he will be out uh, through most of March with a lower body. Uh, He had surgery six to eight weeks. Also left for personal reasons as well, so he's had a tough season in Winnipeg. It looks like he'll be out most of the rest of the year. Might come back for the final couple of weeks, especially if Winnipeg is fighting for a playoff spot. Robbie Fabry of the Blues is going to miss the rest of the year with an ACL injury. Uh, That hurt. 11 goals, 18 assists. He was a minus 16, but uh, he was uh, uh, kind of a surprise that, that he's you know he, he took a formative year, a formative step, only 21 years old, uh, and uh, his last game of the year was February the 4th. Uh, okay, so that is a look at injuries. How about hot pickups? We mentioned in the tease uh, about a player on the Islanders who's been a player for a long period of time, and now people are starting to take notice, and that's Josh Bailey. Now, it helps when you're on John Tavares' uh, line, and Josh Bailey and Tavares have been playing together for uh, long enough that, um, and his numbers are starting to improve. He's coming up against career numbers, and he's 27 years old. Um, he was a, a draftee in 2008 and was rushed to the NHL. He has 11 goals, 27 assists. He's also plus four on the year. And uh, he uh, just had, he scored five, uh, five goals in his last seven games. Uh, he's been held off the score sheet twice. Against Washington on the 31st and at Philly on the 9th, but uh, the other five games he scored uh, a goal, had three points against the Leafs actually, um, and uh, he is coming up against some career highs. He is three, he's three assists shy of his uh, his all-time assist total and his uh, all-time point total. So um, he is available in medium-sized leagues. His uh, ownership's going up from 26% to 38%. Uh, so among forwards, that is a good medium league option. Shallow league options, well, how about Patrick Marlowe and Jonathan Huberdeau? Huberdeau coming back, um, he has goal and assist in two games, uh, so he is uh, back, uh, uh, back in the saddle. Uh, he had not played yet uh, in the year before the last couple of games before returning uh, to the lineup uh, on February the 3rd, and the two games he's played were against the Ducks and the Kings, both at home but not easy teams. Patrick Marlowe for the other California team in San Jose, Uh, He is uh, working on a uh, a scoring streak of uh, six games. Actually, uh, uh, I believe now um, that is now eight games because he had an assist against Buffalo and Boston, so that is now eight games as they're on a road trip, San Jose, out east. Buffalo, Boston, Philly, and the Devils uh, playing Philly today at 1, the Devils tomorrow at 1230, Taylor uh, Taylor Hall, Bobblehead, Uh, not Taylorhead, Bobble Hall. It is the Taylorhead Bobble. I said it again. Taylor Hall, bobblehead, tomorrow at 1230 at uh, Prudential Center. Be there. Aloha. Uh, but uh, Patrick Marlowe, eight games uh, scoring streak. Looking to extend that this weekend and available in uh, shallow leagues, 58% going up to 68% among Sports.com leagues. Deep leagues, let's give you an op- option here. How about Jason Pominville, the forgotten man in Minnesota? Everybody talks about Parisi. Everybody talks about uh, other players, Miko Koivu. Uh, how about Jason Pommonville, 16% up to 23% this week. He has 10 goals, 23 assists. That's pretty good. And he's scored in six of his last seven, four straight. He had the two-goal, two-assist game against Winnipeg, which got a lot of notice, obviously. Uh, but Pommonville is uh, is up there. And if you're looking for a replacement, uh, if you're a Blues fan for Robbie Fabry, Kenny Agostino, a deep, deep league option. Uh, he has a goal and an assist in three games He's very young. No, he's not very young. He's 24 years old. Uh, but uh, that is a deep, deep league option if you are a, uh, a Blues fan. Also, Brett Connolly, only owned in 4% of CBSSports.com leagues. How is that possible? 12 goals, 5 assists. And he is on a 5-point scoring streak. He scored 4 goals in his last 5 games. Um, a deep league ad, or available in, in deep leagues. He's available in all leagues. Brett Connolly, definitely worth a flyer at this point. Playing for the uh, uh, for the Washington Capitals, among defensemen, give you a couple of options: Jacob Truba in shallow leagues, um, in medium-sized leagues, uh, Nikita Zaitsev of the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's interesting. He's owned in 35 uh, percent of CBS Sports.com leagues. He has a minus six. That's not great, but he has 22 assists this year. He had two assists against the Islanders on February 6th and a goal the next night against Dallas. Um, so three points in his last three games, two goals, 22 assists for the season. Um, also, how about Cody Franson, a guy who could definitely move at the deadline. He is going to be out for the next couple of games. You can wait on him. Uh, but three goals and 13 assists, he will be out uh, a couple of games through the weekend anyway. But definitely a uh, a guy you want to start looking at because he might be one of the better players available at the deadline, which is only in uh, in less than three weeks. And Brooks Orpik in, uh, in deep leagues as well, um, 12 assists for him, but a plus 31. Once again, Washington Capitals, they get a lot of uh, – their goal differential is fantastic. Uh, and he was a plus two against L.A. with an assist, a plus three against Carolina, and a minus one against Detroit, but still plus 31 for the season. Let's take a look at goaltenders. Goaltenders you may want to pick up. Thomas Grice continues. Um, to to be the number one man for the Islanders is Jaroslav Halak is toiling in Bridgeport. Bryce now 17-8 and eight with a uh, 9.23 save percentage. Um, he had 34 saves the other night uh, in a win against Philadelphia. He's only had uh, one loss in his last six appearances, and that was against Detroit in Detroit. Uh, but he did give up five goals in back-to-back games. He lost the one against Detroit 5-4, but he won the, the game against Toronto 6-5. Um, but he... Uh, came back to form and only allowing a goal against Philadelphia on Thursday night, 34, of 35 there, but available in shallow leagues. In medium-sized leagues, Michael Neuver at 28%, going up to 31%. uh, And in deep leagues, Andrew Hammond, Calvin Pickard in medium-sized leagues. I mentioned him earlier, uh, but Andrew Hammond in deep leagues. Um, Not sure about about that, but, you know, Ottawa is uh, trying to hang on to a playoff spot and they're looking for Hammond to, uh, uh, to help out a little bit and spell Craig Anderson now and again. But he, uh, he got an uptick in ownership. Uh, not, really, uh, not really sure why, but um, I'm just reading the numbers here. Um, but that is a look at uh, hot pickups. Finally, let's take a look at, uh, at depth charts really quick in terms of goaltenders. Uh, Brian Elliott continues to be the man in Calgary over Chad Johnson, even though Elliott's 11-13 and with an 8.95 save percentage, uh, has not done well lately. Three goals against the Devils, four goals against the Rangers, Um, not very good numbers for Brian Elliott. As I mentioned, in Colorado, Calvin Pickard is the man as Semyon Varlamov is out for the rest of the year uh, as he was shut down. Uh, So Pickard is the man. Jeremy Smith is backing him up. Uh, in Edmonton, don't forget, Cam Talbot, 27-15 and 15 for the year, a 9 save percentage. But he did lose three in a row after, uh, before he rebounded with a 22-save shutout in Montreal. They play Chicago tonight at home. Um, Peter Budai continues to be the man in L.A., Jeff Zatkoff backing him up. Uh, Budai had a tough go of it uh, against Washington, allowing four goals, and then in Tampa, losing 5 nothing. But he rebounded 36 saves and 39 uh, shots against Florida. Uh, For Budai, and they go on their bye uh, their bye week at this point, as uh, they are uh, uh, getting to um, excuse me the uh, uh, the L.A. Kings uh, don't play until Thursday against Arizona. Uh, Otherwise, uh, everything else looking pretty good in the Western Conference. Connor Hellebuck is the man over Michael Hutchinson because under and he is going to be out at least uh, uh, until next week. It looks like. So Hellebuck for some uh, some uh, some quick help there. As, uh, but they, they, they did lose to the Blackhawks. He allowed three goals and 34 shots. Uh, you probably want to steer clear of Winnipeg goaltenders right now. In the East, uh, Anton Kadobin is now backing up to Rask as, uh, as uh, McIntyre was sent down to Providence. Uh, Robin Leonard uh, is the starter in Buffalo, uh, even though he had a big disagreement with his coach. Uh, they, um, he was in the nets on Thursday. They lost, uh, he allowed four goals on 43 shots to the ducks. Uh, so it's kind of a one-on-one situation, but Leonard is still listed as the starter. Uh, Peter Mrazek, we mentioned, uh, he is uh, between the pipes for Detroit, allowed five goals the other night to Washington, but three goals, uh, uh, to Columbus, um, in 27 shots. And they, uh um, they lost in overtime in that one to uh, to Columbus. So uh, they faced some tough teams, but he has not really raised his game all that much. Uh, Mike Condon is the man in Ottawa. We mentioned Craig Craig Anderson is hurt, and I forgot I forgot to mention Mike Condon is playing well. Uh, Anderson making progress from his uh, personal issues, working on his conditioning, and he's going to be reevaluated next week. Meanwhile, Mike Condon. Uh, is 16-9 to with a 913 13 safe percentage, beat Dallas 31 out of 33 on Thursday night. As I mentioned, Adrian Hammond might be j- just because Craig Anderson is still out. Uh, Hammond is a backup getting a little bit of love. Neuwirth, even though he's a hot pickup, he is technically backing up Steve Mason uh, as uh, uh, Mason at this point. 16 and 17 with a 900 save percentage. Neuverth for uh, the Flyers 8 and 5 with an 893 save percentage. So not a good save percentage, but maybe a little more goal support. Matt Murray and Mark Andre Fleury are 1 and 1A in Pittsburgh. Fleury might be on the move if he uh, allows a trade. Same with Ben Bishop in Tampa as Andre Vasilevsky is uh, is ready to go. But Bishop was in the Nets for that five nothing win uh, over LA as uh, he had a 28-save shutout. He's won two straight as he beat the Ducks a couple of days before. Uh, so that is a look at the goaltending position. Okay, schedule uh, schedule stars in the NHL. Uh, looking at uh, uh, some difficult ones. Um, Boston is on a bye, and then they play San Jose on Sunday. I'm looking at